0: Ladies, are you in wonder of Jesus? Are you in wonder of Jesus? Wow, what a worship time. Goodness, that just really was a blessing to me. Thank you, Jen and the girls and guys, and we let a few guys in here, don't we? So you know, the more I have relationship with Jesus, the more I'm in awe and wonder of him. I mean, he's so big and he encompasses so much of of life, and he brings all that is good of the life of God into me and into you, and that includes wisdom. And tonight, we're going to spend some time in awe of wisdom. So Proverbs 9 is where we're going to be, and I want to encourage you to turn there. And as you're doing that, I just want to let you know that I have really, really enjoyed these times of Bible study and prayer and worship with all of you ladies and it's just it's just been a special time to just do this in a simple way Uh, sometimes when you try to do things simple they just get more complicated and I'm not going to say it hasn't gotten a little bit complicated but um, you know but just keeping it once we get in here once all the stuff is done and we get in here just keeping it simple you know worship let's get in the word together let's let God speak to us and then let's talk to him you know It's just simple, and God does some really neat things. And we have heard some amazing testimonies of women, God doing things in their lives, and it's such a joy when when you share those things. I mean, just just glory to the Lord happens when you share the stories of the way that God is working. And so I want to encourage you, if you've been here and God's been doing a work in your life, or if this is your first time and God does something tonight, that you share that that you give God glory in that. And we would love to hear about it too because it encourages our team and it helps us to press on in ministry. And we, we want to know how God is, is, using, is using the word that uh, he's allowing us to share. So Proverbs 9 is where we're going to be uh, tonight. And I want to tell you, uh, you know that I'm teaching on my favorites this month. Well, this chapter has not been on my favorites list for very long. (laughs) In fact, uh, I just really came across it for the first time that I remember last winter. But it only took one time reading through it and God just speaking really loud to me and I knew this is going to be one of those chapters for me. And so I'm excited to get to share some things with you about it tonight. And, you know, I'm still learning. You know, last week we talked about us. Psalm 27, well, I've been feasting on that for 18 years, okay? This is still very new to me in a lot of ways, and so I'm sure there's still a lot to be gleaned, uh, and, and, and that's the way it is for you, too, as you get into the Word. I mean, once, once God shows you something, that's not all there is. He'll keep feeding you from that Word for years to come. It's a rich word that he, that he satisfies us with, but I'm a really visual person, and so the Lord knows that about me. He made me that way, and so especially um, chapters in the word that have a real visual content to, to them, really God uses them to speak to me in powerful ways, and that's the way that Proverbs 9 is. It, it paints it just a really clear picture of the two standing invitations that we have in our life. And speaking of paintings, we're really thankful for the painting that was donated for tonight, and you're going to see this painting come to life As we uh, get into this chapter tonight, Susie Thornton painted this, and uh, just a beautiful um, painting. And whoever it was, I don't remember who it was, that actually had the winning bid on this, this is going to be an invitation wherever you hang it in your home, you will remember this after we get through this chapter tonight. So Lord bless you with that. I think we all would want it once we we finish with it. So let's just start reading. We're going to look at the first six verses. And it says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens, and she calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food and and drink of the wine that I've mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Now, as we read that, maybe you're seeing this picture in your mind that That I I see, you know, I can can just see the whole thing just kind of playing out. Now, I want to clarify that back in that day, Solomon wrote this, and there was not a woman named Wisdom. Now, I know there are some women in here who are pregnant. Maybe that would be a good name, you know? I think it sounds great. I mean, that would be a wonderful quality to bestow upon a child, right? But there was not actually a woman named Wisdom, okay? Solomon is personifying Wisdom. He wants to communicate and represent what wisdom is and does and what wisdom offers. And really, what we're going to find as we get into this is that he's showing us who wisdom is. So he tells this story. And you think about it, Jesus used stories a lot, right? He told parables so that we would get a picture in our minds so that we could really grab a hold of the truth that he was saying. And I think Solomon, in this same spirit, is is telling a story. And so he starts with this woman, and her name is Wisdom. And he tells us about her house. He tells us about the meal that she prepares. He tells us about her table and her invitation. And we're going to come back to Wisdom in just a minute. But I want you to skip... We're going to skip some verses, but skip ahead over into verse 13, and we're going to meet another woman, and her name is Folly. And again, personification here. Some have said she's a personification of of the lust of our flesh. Folly actually means a a reckless behavior. So in other words, Solomon is trying to represent what fleshly lust is and, and what happens when reckless behavior is played out. Okay, what it does, he's representing this through this woman named Folly. So let's read, starting in verse 13. It says, The woman of Folly is boisterous. She's naive and knows nothing. And she sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is Pleasant, But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. So here we're meeting another woman. Her name is Folly. And, and we see that Solomon's telling us about her house and her meal and her table and her invitation. Two women. In some ways, they're kind of doing the same thing. But oh my goodness, are you already seeing the great contrast between these women? Now, if you have studied Proverbs at all, you know that Solomon talks a whole lot about wisdom, and he talks a whole lot about folly. In fact, in the first eight chapters, of Proverbs, he really just gives a tribute to wisdom. I mean, pretty much every verse is about wisdom, and he denounces folly all throughout those first eight chapters. So when we get to chapter 9, he's kind of ending a section, and it's almost like he ends it with a big bang, with this big, you know, dramatization of these two women. He wants his readers to understand what he's trying to say, and that's what we just read, is this dramatization Now you might be thinking, okay, but you skipped some verses here in the middle. And I know we did. We're going to come back to them in just a little bit. But first we're going to talk about these two women and we're going to really look at at how they're so very different. So first of all, let's really kind of zone in here on wisdom. In verse one, it tells us about her house, that she built her house. It says she hewed out seven pillars. Now, we don't think of building a house that way, okay? I mean, have you ever thought, oh, I'm going to build a house and hew out seven pillars? No. We get out in the book and, or get online and start looking for a house, right, when we want a house or looking at plans. The idea here is enormous preparation, okay? I mean, if you think about the process of hewing out seven pillars, just finding where you're going to hew them from. We don't know if they were stone or if they would have been uh, made out of wood, but then you have to carve them, and and then you got to move them. And back then, you know, they didn't have trucks and, you know, all of that. And then they got to get them in place and get them to stay in place. And and then somebody's got to inspect them. I mean, all kinds of preparation to hew out seven pillars and to actually put them in a place. The idea is that wisdom has worked really, really, really hard for this house to be ready for her guests to come and eat. Now, some of you, like me, are probably wondering, well, I wonder what those seven pillars are, you know? If you like to study the Word and you think, oh, well, what, the, well, what is that? Well, I would love to know what those seven pillars are. And I've studied that, and I've asked the Lord, and there's a lot of different theories out there about what those seven pillars are. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know, and the Bible doesn't specifically say. Some of the theories out there are that they're the seven qualities mentioned in James when it says the wisdom from above is first of all pure and then peace loving and it goes through that list. Some people think that's the seven pillars of wisdom. There's also several lists of seven in Proverbs and some people think oh well those are the seven pillars. There's another list of seven in Isaiah that kind of references wisdom, and some people think that's the seven pillars. Some people think it's the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Some people think it's the seven seals. I mean, there's all kinds of biblical definitions of what people think these seven pillars are. But as far as I can tell, the Bible doesn't specifically say. But I would encourage you to keep looking. We're just not going to get into that tonight, okay? We just know that she spent a lot of time getting her house ready. Now, what about her food? She didn't just prepare a house she also prepared food. And in verse 2, it tells us that she's prepared her food and she's mixed her wine. Now, this word prepared actually means that she slaughtered, okay? So it's some kind of meat, like maybe she slaughtered a lamb so that she could prepare this feast for her guests. And they were also told that she mixed her wine. Back in that time, the ancients, they, they didn't like to just drink wine plain. They would mix it with water. They felt like it made it more tasty. And a lot of times, they would put spices in it as well. So these are the things that she probably did when she mixed her wine. Now, what about her table? Also in verse 2, it says she's also set her table. Are you seeing a a theme kind of run through wisdom? She prepares, right? (laughs) She spends a lot of time getting things ready. And so when you set a table, you make sure that there's seats for everyone that's coming, right? You put linens on the table, you put candlesticks and utensils and plates. You're, you're making sure that there's provisions at this table so that when the people come, they have something to use and a place to sit and a place to gather around the table. So Wisdom has done all of this preparation to get ready for her guests. And then she has an invitation. Verse 3 says she sent out her maidens. So she also prepares her maidens, okay? And she obviously is a woman of influence because she even has some maidens, right? So she's got a reputation with people and she's got a leadership about her. And she sends these maidens out and they go out to the heights of the city and they call out across the city, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, come and eat of my food and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. So that's wisdom. What we're told here is about her house and her food and her, and her table and her invitation. But now let's jump over to that other story about the woman named Folly. Verse 13 tells us that she's boisterous, that she's naive, and she doesn't know anything. Okay, what a way to start talking about somebody. I mean, nothing good to say at all. If somebody's boisterous, they're loud. They're, they're clamorous. This word actually even has an idea that she kind of has like a low growl about her when she talks, you know. I, I picture in my mind a very body type woman. If you've ever seen any Broadway plays like maybe Annie, there's, there's a couple body women in there. Or Les Mis, there's a, that, you know what I'm talking about? If you can just, I'm trying to give you a picture of a woman that I would think is what they're trying to describe here. She's naive, it says. That means basically she's foolish. And then it just lays it out there plainly, she knows nothing. That means she's ignorant in experience and in knowledge, but it also means, a study of this word reveals that it means she's ignorant of shame. In other words, that means she's a woman that doesn't blush, okay? So this is who folly is. Now what about her house? Well, verse 14 tells us that she sits in the doorway of her house. Now I don't know about you, I'm just going to tell you that if you come to my house and I'm standing in the doorway and I don't let you in, it's because I have a mess inside and I don't want you to see, okay? And that's exactly what's going on here. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. Now, sometimes at my house, I'll I'll maybe invite you into the foyer, and, you know, it might just be that I don't have time to have a lengthy visit, so that's not why I have you come in. But most times, if I'm standing in the door and I'm, like, closing it behind me, it's because I don't want you to see the mess inside my house, okay? You know, my husband and my son are in Haiti right now on a mission trip with our, our ministry, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have this clean house if you could see my house right now, I thought that theory went out the window. So I've just been, I've had my office all downstairs because my office is upstairs and it's cooler down there. And so I've just kind of spread out. And, you know, they would think I, I would get in trouble if they, you, you understand what I'm saying. So <laughs> anyway, but this woman, okay, Folly, um, she's, she's standing in the doorway, I think because she doesn't want the people that are coming by to see what's inside. And if you think about it, a real lady uh, would, would not do that if she's inviting people over, okay? She would, she would want them to come inside. But Folly hasn't done any of this because she's not prepared anything. She basically just puts the chair out in the doorway and just throws it out there, and that goes right along with the description that we see of her in verse 13. So what about her meal, though, and her table? Well, she doesn't really have a meal, does she? I mean, she really doesn't have anything to offer here. She hasn't prepared anything. She tries to make it look like she prepared something, but she hasn't. Really, her meal is just consisting of lies because she actually is saying, you've got to go get your own stuff, right? (laughs) So she's inviting you to something, but she doesn't have anything to give you. And she doesn't have a table because she's not even going to really let you come inside. In fact, she wants you to go eat what you're going to get and do it in secret somewhere. There's no fellowship or relationship that's going to happen around a table. There's, There's no food if you're hungry. Really, there's nothing for your thirst unless you go find it yourself. All she's trying to do is entice with a lie. She says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret places is pleasant. We'll look at that a little bit more in a minute. But who is her offer for? Well, it's for everyone who passes by. A very distinct thing about her offer versus Wisdom's offer is it's that for all who are making their paths straight, the naive and the lacking of understanding, and she wants those to come in. So we see this great contrast, right? Are you seeing this in your mind, this picture? Wisdom has this carefully preparation. She's been carefully preparing, and folly has been brash and impulsive. Wisdom invites openly to a well-furnished table, and it's rich with food in this beautiful home, and Folly calls her guests to a secret meal of the barest provisions that you've got to go find yourself to even have, and then she wants you to steal off into a dark corner somewhere so that nobody will even see you eating, and you can do that all by yourself. Thank you very much. The meal that wisdom offers is going to lead to life, this says. And the meal that Folly is offering, which really isn't even a meal, but she tries to make it look like one, it's death. So there's all kinds of contrast. There's only one match in the whole two stories, and it's the invitation. They both start out the same way. I don't know if you recognize that or not. It says, all who are naive and lacking, come in here. They both say that. So I would ask you, where would you want to eat now that we've looked at that picture? Seriously, which, which invitation would you want to take? Now, I think, I hope so, yeah. And, and I think that we all know that this is way about way more than food, right? I mean, we're all pretty aware that this is about more than food. But I want you to put that knowing to the side just for a minute, and I want you to think of this in terms of food, Okay. If this was just about the food, what choice would you make? I, I think it's pretty clear, right? We would go to wisdom's table. That's where I would go because I prefer to sit down in a nice place and eat, you know, and have food prepared for me and feel good and have fellowship. I mean, that's just kind of the way I I like to enjoy food if given the opportunity. I don't know if you've ever eaten anywhere where you were like really uncomfortable and the food kind of grossed you out and you really weren't sure, you know, what to do. If you've ever been on any kind of of a mission trip, especially into a very poor area, you might have had some experiences like this. I will never forget the very first time that um, we went to Romania. And we were working with a bunch of gypsy kids, and we were taking them on a field trip to this river. Now, most of them had never been out of their general area where they lived. And so we got them all on this bus, and they were so wild and excited. And we went to this river, and this is a picture, literally, of us there. And and this place was absolutely filthy. I remember there were slugs and things in this river. One of the boys on our team, he actually, we had brought along this raft, And he put some kids in it, and they're going down the river, and this snake literally fell out into the thing. I mean, it just freaked me out. The whole place, it was the worst day of the whole trip for me. But we were there, and all of a sudden, there was was this caretaker lady that kind of had cared for the kids at this little place where a lot of these kids gathered during the day that was the center that we were working with. And she had come along, and she had brought the lunch with her. Now, the lunch consisted of this big old hunk of pressed meat that had vegetables all in it. And they didn't even have the bread in bags. She just kind of like grabbed it and everybody kind of carried it, you know. Um, one time my husband went to Romania and he said they bought the bread and just threw it in the back of the car and it was all filthy and dirty. that's just what they do. So anyway, we get there and so she decides it's time to make lunch. So she's sitting out on this, uh, on this blanket and the kids, you know, they don't get a lot to eat. So they see her start making these lunches, and so they jump up because they're going to run, and they're going to come sit on this blanket too, and they, they want to help because they're ready to eat. And so, you know, I'm I'm not much of a pressed meat girl. I, I don't know about you. <laughs> um, I don't really do pressed meat, especially pressed meat that has stuff all inside. So I was just kind of talking to myself and going, you know, um, you got to just suck it up here, Sharon, and because, you know, you need to be polite, and you need to eat, and I was hungry, okay? So I was thinking, what am I going to do, because I knew we were going to be at this place for a long time. So I was talking myself into it, and all of a sudden, though, we crossed a line because there was this one little boy, and uh, he was really dirty, very raucous, and just unruly, and he wanted to help. So what she was doing for all the kids who wanted to help, she would cut a big old hunk of this meat, and she'd put it on the bread, and she would hand it to them, and then they had this big container that had ketchup. Now, all of this stuff had been sitting out in the sun for hours, okay? And the kids were supposed to take a spoon and put put ketchup on everything and and put it all over this meat and then push the meat down and then hand it out to the people around. So I'm going, oh, my. You know, pressed meat and ketchup. Wow, that's just really good. (laughs) With vegetables, all in one. So anyway... They're, they're going to put it on there, and this boy, he, he, he's smart because he liked ketchup. So what he did was he started putting, like, lots of ketchup. So then when he squoze the bread together, the ketchup all run out to the side, and his hands were filthy, and he would literally take his hands and go like this, and then lick them, and then do that a couple of times, and then hand the sandwich. Well, the kids could care less. They loved it. I just stood there and went, there is no way. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to eat that. So I opted out, and I had cookies. (laughs) My friend Holly's sitting over there. She was with me on that trip, and we both remember that day well. I will not tell you the other story of things that happened. (laughs) We have some really funny stories from that day. But food is seen in a whole new light in different countries on mission trips. You know, I'm sure when my husband and son, hopefully they're coming back tomorrow. Our team's been in Haiti building this bridge all week and um, we're anxious for them to come back these are our guys that left a week ago and um, we're excited to hear them come back I know there will be stories about the food okay because we're all picky about our food right and we we can make quick decisions we can discern things really fast I will not eat that (laughs) no I will I will not eat that but wonder I wonder if we were as decided and picky about some other things (laughs) we wouldn't give Folly's invite a second thought would we But I know, and I know you know, that this chapter is not about what we're going to eat for lunch or dinner. What it's really about is the spiritual food that God has given us in Christ for us to be able to live well. And that food is wisdom. Now, I want us to look for a minute about wisdom's meal and what she prepares. Go back with me to verse 2. It says she prepared her food, and we said that means she, she killed something, an animal. Okay? She slaughtered an animal to be able to have this meal. And she mixed her wine with water and spices, and then she set out her table. So if this is not literally, you know, if she's not really a person, and this isn't really a house, and this isn't really a meal, I mean, this is a story designed to give us a spiritual truth. What is this meal that she has prepared? I want to show you what I believe and many people believe, and I think it's so exciting when you find these things in the Word of God. If you study the Old Testament a lot, you begin to realize that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And it's fascinating. It's a wonder when you see how God put this so masterfully together. People that wrote these things, you know, thousands of years apart from one another, and they match like a puzzle. I want you to think about this. Many people believe, and, and I do as well, that this food and drink that wisdom is preparing is Christ. Let me show you why I think that. You know, you, you remember the disciples when they came to the Passover table, how every piece of that Passover meal was symbolic of Jesus and pointed to Jesus. And many times we as believers, we, we take communion and we come and each of those pieces of communion, the emblems represent the, the death And the the burial of Christ, the bread representing his body, the, the wine representing his blood. Well, in Proverbs 9, we see some of these same things. The food, the meat that was killed, that would be Christ's body. The wine that was mixed with water, remember Christ? He hung on the cross, and they pierced his side, and the blood flowed, and now the water flowed. And then what did they do with his body, but they anointed it with, spices, okay? Jesus is the meal that we eat at wisdom's table. In fact, Jesus is wisdom. Now as I began to study this, that was revelation for me, because I've always thought of wisdom as something that Christ gives to me, and he does give wisdom to me. Wisdom is not a thing. Wisdom is a person, and his name is Jesus. Now, if all we were looking at is that, you might think, well, that's kind of a stretch. You know, I don't know about that. But listen to some of these verses in the New Testament, some of the things that are said there. The Bible actually tells us in Ephesians 1 that God prepared Jesus for us before the foundation of the world. When I was growing up, somehow I got the notion that Jesus was plan B because we were so messed up and God didn't know what to do with us, so he had to come up with a new plan, okay? That wasn't the idea at all. God prepared Jesus before we were ever even created because he knew we would need a savior. But see, in Proverbs chapter eight, the chapter right before the one we're studying tonight, we're told that when God had not even yet made the world, wisdom was there. That wisdom was actually the architect in the creation. And we're also told in the New Testament that Jesus, all things were created by him and for him. He's wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, we're told that Jesus became to us wisdom from God. In Colossians 2, we're told that all the mysteries of wisdom are in Christ. Do you see this? This meal that is being served at this table of wisdom is Jesus. And God prepared wisdom for us before the foundation of the world. For every place that you and I are lacking, he wants to give us himself in fact in second peter 1 3 we're told that as we grow in the knowledge of jesus as we partake of jesus we will have absolutely everything that we need for life and godliness now i know i just threw a whole bunch of scriptures at you okay those are all listed in those more study notes if you'll go online and get them out and study this some more on your own okay so if you didn't get them all down that's okay but also look at this jesus When he was here, wisdom, he sent out his messengers, right? His disciples and many of us as well who have chosen to follow Jesus. We consider ourselves to be his messengers because we're inviting many to come where? To the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, wisdom has sent out her messengers, (laughs) inviting all who will come to come and partake of him. That they may what? In verse 6, it says that you may live, okay? Do you see this, this, how this all works together? The only meal that's going to ever bring understanding into your life, the only thing that you can partake of to bring understanding and wisdom into your life is Jesus. What a wonder. Again, if we would be as decided and picky about our spiritual food as we are our physical food. Now, there's two very different invitations. There's an invitation right here in Proverbs 9 from God. From wisdom himself, the maker of heaven and earth, who is sovereign over all, and he says, I want to give you nourishment for your life. I want to, I want to nourish your souls. Or there is an invitation from folly that you can figure this out on your own. My favorite definition of wisdom is very simple-minded, and it's this. Living in such a way that you and God are going to be happy with 10 years from now. Okay, That's my favorite definition of wisdom, but here's the thing left to myself, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't live on my own in a way that I and God are going to be happy with 10 years from now because I can't figure all those things out. I am lacking in understanding, I'm very naive in certain places of my life. And even if I figure some things out, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow that I won't have figured out, and then I'm going to have places of lack, and that is area okay god wants to bring wisdom into our life he's been preparing wisdom since before the foundation of the world and christ right here is offering us himself folly wants you to partake of a lie to eat the food that kills now remember we said earlier folly's food is flesh the flesh the lust of the flesh look in verse 17 this is what she says okay this is basically the meal that she's offering Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. I have been seeking the Lord about what this means. In some ways, it almost seems like a riddle to me, <laughs> and I don't do riddles real well. I'm like, God, just tell me. I don't, I don't like it when people are like, figure this out. I'm like, no, just tell me, okay? And so I just want the Lord to tell me, but I think what he wants me to do is just to think on this. And I've been thinking on this a lot, and I'm sure there is more to be gleaned from this, but I want to share with you just some of the thoughts that the Lord has just allowed to just be in my heart and my head about this whole idea of stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in the secret is pleasant. First of all, this idea of considering the source. My husband says that to me a lot, consider the source, because I'm easily swayed. I hear something, I'm like, oh yeah, and he's like, consider the source, you know. It's not all free. There, there's, there's a line down there, Sharon, somewhere, you know, because I'll be quick to jump on it or, or whatever. Well, we, we need to consider the source here for the person that is saying this. Who is Folly? Why would we even listen to her invitation anyway? We got a great description of her at the right, very beginning, right, of her story. Why would we listen, okay? She hasn't prepared anything. She just threw the chair out in the doorway and won't even let you see what's inside. Okay, she, she, she wants you to just go do it all for yourself. Why would you even listen to someone like that? This whole thing is so obviously a lie. And I want to tell you some of the obvious pieces that the Lord has revealed to me. Because she doesn't have anything to give. <laughs> so there's a lie right there. She, she's not offering you anything that she's going to give you herself. She wants you to go find it yourself. But there's many lies right within it, even more than that very obvious one at the front. Stolen water is not sweet. It might be sweet for a minute, but when you get caught, it's not going to be very sweet anymore, is it? And what about bread eaten in secret? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as a secret. Now, we think there is, but there really is no such thing as a secret. Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that all things are open and laid bare to the Lord God above. So, regardless of whether or not we think we're doing something in secret, maybe nobody else knows, but the maker of your life knows. <laughs> the judge of the earth knows. The one who really matters knows. So there's no such thing as a secret, anyway. So that's a lie. And then why would eating something in secret be pleasant? Because this whole idea of eating in the secret, it, it kind of gives this idea that. There's a reason why you want to hide from somebody, because you've done something wrong, okay? Well, in my idea, hiding isn't very fun unless you're playing games, and it's all right to play a game every now and then, but I don't want to do that, like, all my life. How many people, how many of us know people that just play games all the time because their whole life is wrapped up in deceit, and you don't even know what it is they're saying, and you're just like, would you just be honest and stop playing all these games? Games are not fun when that's your life. Games are fun every now and then to just play for enjoyment, but not when that's going to be the way that you live. And eating by yourself is never pleasant, especially when you're hiding off in a corner, and all you're getting is bread, when you could have a feast over here at Wisdom's table. And the biggest lie of all to me, and this is I've thought on it, and the Lord has revealed some things to me, is that if you're lacking, you need to go and take things for yourself. (laughs) Because, see, you don't have to do that. You've already been offered freely of this wonderful meal that Wisdom has prepared and this wonderful drink that she has mixed on your behalf, and you can just come. You don't, you don't have to take it and steal it and be all by yourself, but the lie here is that you've got to provide for yourself. So here you are on your way to Wisdom's house, and you're, you're making your path straight, and she's trying to distract you. She says, you can have free water, okay? Why would you want free water when you can have wine (laughs) that's been mixed with spices? Jesus is the living water, and you can have all that you want. And you can eat all the food that you want at Wisdom's house, too. So why would you feel like you need to steal some bread and eat it off all by yourself when you could go there and have this wonderful fellowship with people? Let's put this in real terms for us, okay? Okay. Think about this. You can be on the way to wisdom's house because you know you need to partake of some of the peace that he gives you. But folly will say, turn in here. Strife is so much better. And you can get it by yourself. It will be better for you. Or you can be on your way to wisdom's house to partake of truth, but folly will say, turn in here because lies are a whole lot better and they can be whatever you want them to be doesn't matter if they're true as long as you like the way they make you feel it'll be really good for you or you can be on your way to wisdom's house to experience intimacy and and the wisdom of intimacy and relationships but folly will say oh turn in here and morality is so much better who needs relationship just just get this cheap thrill for a little while get it to be the way you want to feel right now in the moment Or you can be on the way to Wisdom's house to partake of joy, but folly will turn in here and say, selfishness and isolation are much better. Think about yourself. Do for yourself. That's going to make you happy. See, folly wants you to believe that your way is much better than anything you could find at Wisdom's table. Why walk all the way to Wisdom's house when you can turn in here and take care of all of it by yourself but the truth is we can't do that anyway (laughs) and all the glitter that she's putting on it is a lie because stolen water is not sweet and bread eaten in secret is not pleasant the thing about this that is alluring is that it's forbidden (laughs) you know what i mean by that for whatever reason in our human nature things that are forbidden are often charming You think about if, you know, something could be sitting there and you don't even want it until somebody says you can't have it. And then all of a sudden you want it, right? Or you think about in the garden, they had all those fruits, and then God said, I don't want you to eat of that one. Which was the one they wanted? That one. All you have to do to people is say, don't look at that, and every head turns and looks, right? Because that is our nature. So there is a certain charm and allure of the forbidden But also what we have to realize is the lie of what folly offers to us is always cloaked in some kind of glitter or sweetness or pleasantry that isn't real. And that's exactly what she's doing here. If it was food, we would recognize it for what it is. We would see the beautiful table and the rich food and the wonderful house and all of the seats around the table where our friends could be there at Wisdom's house, and we would say yes, and we would look at the invitation from Folly, and it would be like that pressed meat sandwich that had been sitting out in the sun with ketchup and germs all over it, and we would say, no, I don't, I don't want that at all. But this isn't about food, is it? And we need to be as decided and picky about our spiritual food, in fact, way more picky about our spiritual food than we are our physical food. Because this is about two invitations and where we're going to get our nourishment. Both invitations start in the same way. Verse 4, verse 16, they're exactly the same. Whoever's naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says. They might look the same as they began, but they're very different. Because who are the invitations for? Wisdom, she calls from the tops of the city heights for whoever, whoever. That means anyone is welcome. It makes me think of the word in John three sixteen, whosoever. Whosoever will come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. For folly, okay, she's also calling to those who are naive and who are lacking understanding, but it's only for a certain kind of people. It's for the ones who are what? Trying to make their path Straight, and ladies, I think that's most of us in here probably, hopefully all of us. You know, we want to walk on that straight path to wisdom's house. Well, Folly, what this is revealing to us is her invitation is out to snare. She wants to snare us. What is the offer? Wisdom, I've got all this prepared for you. Eat of my food, drink of the wine I've mixed and prepared for you. Folly, I don't have anything for you but lies that I can make sound really enticing and I can trick you with, okay? And then the outcome Wisdom, life, and understanding. Folly, it's going to be death. Wisdom invitation is designed to satisfy us, our lack of understanding, so that we can proceed in a way of understanding in our life. Folly's invitation is designed to ensnare. If we could just see them for what they are. And I would say to you, what you do with the verses in the middle between these two stories really reveals Which invitation you are accepting and which one you will accept, okay? They're really about two different kinds of attitudes. Start in verse 7 with me. It says, he who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. So this is about the scoffer, okay? He's lacking, right? So the invitation's for him. He's lacking, But when wisdom invites him to instruction, to correction, to reproof, that wisdom is going to serve at the table, he scoffs. He says, I don't need that. I can take care of it all by myself. I can steal my own water and get my own bread. I can provide for myself. He scoffs. And he says, I don't want what you have, wisdom. Now, most of us think, well, I wouldn't do that. But we might do it in a more refined way. We just might pout, or we might say, that just makes me really uncomfortable. I I don't like that. Or we might say, I I don't prefer that, or I've never done it that way before, or I think I'll have to pray about that on a while because I I just don't know. Even though it came right out of Jesus' mouth, I need to pray and see what it is he's really saying. When we really know what he's saying, we're just scoffing and trying to make it sound all Christian-like. You know how we do that, okay? Now, read with me in the second part of verse 8. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in his learning. So here we see the wise and the righteous. They're lacking, okay? They're lacking. But when wisdom invites them to instruction and reproof and correction and teaching, they say, oh, I want to eat at your table. Where's my seat? I, I want to hear what you have to say. I know that I need to make some changes, and and, and, and I'm, I'm ready for anything that you have to to give me. Now you might be thinking, well, how did he already get wise? Well, we're going to answer that in a moment as we keep going. But in these verses, Solomon is encouraging us to do what? To accept wisdom's invitation, to have a teachable heart, to be willing to eat whatever wisdom serves to us. And verse 10 shows us the very first way to do it. Verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So think of it this way, the very first time that you realize, I am lacking, (laughs) I need something beyond myself. I cannot do this life by myself. I need truth. I need to humble myself to the Lord God of heaven and let him provide for me. It's not good for me to live in the folly of my flesh. The very first time you fear the Lord in that way and you humble yourself and you come to his table, well, that's your first meal of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the very first time you partake of Jesus and you experience salvation, okay? That's the first time you've humbled your flesh to the Lord, and you've sat down at his table and partaken of Jesus. You've begun in wisdom, okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So as far as invitations go, I would imagine that most of us in here tonight, myself included, we've already accepted wisdom's first invitation. We've humbled ourselves, we've sat down at wisdom's table, we've partaken of Jesus, we've said, I need a savior, and we have now become wise in that We've begun in wisdom. And if that's happened for you, if you've made those decisions, praise the Lord. And if you've never done that, if you've never sat down at wisdom's table and accepted Christ as your Savior for the very first time, you need to do that. That's where wisdom will begin for you. But what is the next part of verse 10? It says the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So even though you get started in wisdom, you begin in wisdom, you still got areas where you're lacking. Do you see this word lacking? It's it's running through here, okay? Partaking of Jesus is not this one time event and then you're left to figure it out or try your best to do everything that he tells you to do. Every single time we're lacking understanding for how to live and how often is that? Uh, For me, um, a lot. Every day I wake up, usually with a lack of understanding in some area. What we're supposed to do is go running on a straight path to wisdom's table to eat of Jesus, to get knowledge of the Holy One. And then it says we're going to have understanding. That's how we're going to get the wisdom, through the knowledge of Jesus. So if you're lacking in a certain area, you're needing wisdom, you're going to eat somewhere, okay? you're hungry. And how many of us know when we're hungry, we're going to find food, right? We're going to find it somewhere. The question is, where are we going to eat? You know, we eat physically many times a day. So we need to eat spiritually many times a day. And there's two invitations. Here's one from Jesus, wisdom himself. And there's one from the flesh. Figure it out yourself. Do what feels right, what looks right, what works in the moment, what works for you, what's all good, and everybody else around you is saying is good. Whose invitation are we going to accept? Wisdom says this. If you choose to eat at her table, read with me in verse 11. It says, for by me, that's wisdom speaking, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. In other words, these this is individual decisions of where you're going to eat. Just like you can't eat and somebody else sitting beside you get nourishment. This is all about you and the decision you make of where you're going to eat in your life. Okay? We we all have choices. It's not like the whole family's going to this table. We all have to make that decision ourselves. More like kind of being at the food court, I guess, and there's only two choices, okay? Which one are you going to go to? Everybody's got to make their own decision. But what is the result if you accept folly's invitation? The second part of verse 12. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. I think most of us would say, I've taken wisdom's invitation. Jesus is my Savior. And, And I would say the same thing. Great. And for all of us who've done that, that's the beginning of wisdom. That was the first wise thing we ever did. But what I believe the Lord really wants to impress upon us tonight is the second part of verse 10. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We need to be eating of Jesus every day. We need to keep coming back to his table again and again and again, accepting his invitation, forsaking the table of folly so that we can proceed in the way of understanding. And how do you do that? You have a teachable spirit unto Jesus. You come often to his table. You don't scoff at the Lord and push him aside and figure out things on your own, but you have a teachable heart unto the Lord, and you know that there's only two invitations. So if you don't go to wisdom, you're going to get bound up somehow in this lie over here from folly. Now, it's very hard to be teachable. Jesus knows better than anyone about scoffers. You think about this. He came to the world to serve up himself right? To serve wisdom. And some scoffed. And he alone bore the dishonor and the insult and the hate that verses 7 and 8 talk about. But he also became well acquainted with those who wanted to be teachable unto him, who wanted to eat of him, because he also served up wisdom, and many were wise. And they ate of him, they partook of him, and they received life. Because Jesus doesn't just want to save us for eternity, ladies. He wants to give us nourishment so that while we're here on this earth, we can eat of him and walk in understanding. Look again at the, the, the invitation. Come, eat of my food and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake your folly and do what? Live. <laughs> Proceed in the way of understanding. The idea is that you leave that other invitation alone. And you pass right on by Folly's house and you go straight to Wisdom's house. And you come in and you eat and things happen. You're changed by Jesus. Whatever he's serving up that day for you, because he makes individual meals for us, you eat it. And he fills up this lack of understanding with himself. And you digest him into yourself and you get understanding. And then you begin to walk differently. But you have to forsake the folly of your own thinking and your own feelings and, and your own skills or desires or whatever part of your flesh you're depending on and be teachable unto Jesus. He always invites us to his table to, to to take of him when I'm lacking. How many of you are lacking? Yeah, right. You know what? Last week, many of you came and you put one of those pink cards, you filled it out. I want to tell you something. We have the most precious prayer warriors praying over this event dedicated pouring their hearts and their lives i've seen as i've talked to them this week and heard tears and it's not like they were sharing your stories but just just burden and and desire to see you walking in freedom there's obvious you know and i put one of those cards there too of my own lack we all have places of lack i want you to know if you put one of those cards there your card has been poured over in prayer, and many of them have said, you know, I'm going to keep praying over these cards. It wasn't a one-week deal for me. We all have places where we're lacking in understanding in all different kinds of areas, but we have an invitation from wisdom. We don't have to dwell in that place. We can eat of Jesus. Now, we might say, well, I've been asking the Lord for wisdom, and I'm just wanting him to show me what to do. I would say to you, when is the last time you sat down at the table with Jesus and just partook of Jesus? not, not read a book or listen to a sermon online or you know whatever else, the things that we do? you know I was I was on my run the other morning and, and I was um, that's a lot of my prayer time, and the Lord, I mean, I, I thought we were talking about something else, and all of a sudden He just dropped something in my heart. This year, I've really been trying to eat clean. And a lot of you know what that is, you know, that's kind of a big thing in our culture right now, you know, to to stop eating all this processed food. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, if you would stop eating all this processed food, you would get so much more nourishment. I just went, whoa. He said, my people need to start eating clean. In other words, stop eating all this processed stuff and just eat my word. Eat of me, and I can do so much in your life. And I was like, wow, what a concept to eat clean. So much of what we try to partake in our walk with the Lord is so processed, we can't even find him in it half the time. We just need to come to Jesus and sit down at the table with him and not say, Jesus, tell me what to do, but say, Jesus, who are you? And all of a sudden, there's going to be this digestion that takes place. And over time, as you keep eating of Jesus, one day you're going to go, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. You're going to find you're walking and understanding. And it's not because Jesus said, do this and this and this. It's because he showed you who he is. And you start walking and understanding. Ladies, this isn't what I'm saying. This is this is kind of a new thing to me. Too. This is what he's saying. We get so caught up in, give me an answer for that. I want this meal today, Jesus. Tell me what to do and then I'll do it. And he's like, I just want to tell you who I am. And then you'll be wise because I'm with him. You need me. Just like you can't see digestion happening when you're eating, right? You, you can't figure out, okay, it's getting in this cell, and it's going to fire off some stuff in that place, and it's going to do all this work. You, you, God's not going to let you maybe be privy to all that. He's just saying, i got food to give you. It's me. <laughs> do you want to know me? Because when you, when you have an understanding of me, knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, we begin with the fear of the Lord. It's a knowledge of the Holy One that then causes us to walk in understanding. But see, so often, and this is the problem, and this is why I think a lot of times we don't eat clean, okay? It's the same reason we don't eat clean physically, because we like all that other stuff better, right? (laughs) It tastes better. And sometimes we don't like what the Lord is serving. And what we don't realize, and I think what the Word of God here reveals to us, is we're really a scoffer. And we think, I'm trying to sit at the table of wisdom. And what we're really doing is we're scoffing. See, maybe I have some bitterness in my heart. So I come to the table of the Lord, and He's serving up love and forgiveness. And He wants to teach me how to love like He loves. And so He starts showing me. Let me tell you about the time that these people were hanging me on a cross. And I looked down and I said, Father, forgive them. And I blessed them. And you're like, I don't like that meal. And we start throwing a temper tantrum like a two-year-old who doesn't want what's placed in front of them. I wanted justice today. I wanted vindication today, God. I don't like that. So we run off and we find something that tastes better. Or maybe we're disappointed with life, so we come to the Lord and we hope he's serving up something new and exciting because I'm just tired of the same old thing. And we sit down at the table and the same old meal that we've been eating all year long of trust and perseverance And wait on the Lord is exactly what he's serving up. And he shows us, he he gives it to us of himself, and he shows us how he did it. But we don't like that. So we scoff, or we get mad, or we refuse to eat. Or maybe we like what he served last week, and all our friends are getting to eat that this week, and so we're like, we go sit down with Jesus, and he's like, no, I made something really special for you today. It's sacrifice. Let me talk to you about my sacrifice. No, Jesus, that's not what I want to eat. And we scoff. Or maybe we want a happy meal. (laughs) Do you ever go to the Lord and you want a happy meal? And he says, no, I want you to have discipline and self-control. Do you see what I'm saying here? And we don't even realize that we do this. It's hard to be teachable. And in those moments, it's very easy to pull out that other invitation and go, wow. I could go down the road here and get me a happy meal. I could get whatever I want. Nobody will know, and I won't have to answer to anybody. I can even get a toy in there. <laughs> no char- no change required for me, no cost to me. I won't have to think about anybody but myself. But it's not to our benefit, because God has revealed to us in his word exactly what is the meal of folly. What does it say here? If you're wise, you're wise for yourself, right? Every one of us has to determine what invitation we're going to accept. Will we eat of Jesus or are we going to scoff? We think we need wisdom. Jesus says, eat of me. Don't come asking me, what do you need me to do? Uh, Tell me exactly what I need to do in this situation. Give me discernment, God. That's what we do. I do it. I'm telling you, this has changed me. It is changing me because I'm so prone to the other way. Wisdom is a person. His name is Jesus. Knowledge of the Holy One produces understanding for life. We eat of him. We eat of him. It says, if you scoff, you alone will bear it. I like Proverbs 9 because it reminds me, it gives me a clear picture. It's a painting in my head of these two invitations. And ladies, I mean, I don't think you can get any clearer. We need to say yes to Jesus. We need to eat at his table. What does that look like? What does it look like to eat of Jesus? Well, you know, just like there's a a myriad of ways that you eat physically. I mean, we could describe all kinds of things. Personally, like for me this year, the Lord has served up heaping amounts of love, both kinds, the bitter, and the sweet, okay? I mean, there's been a lot of him serving me himself, of just loving on me, and his sacrifice, and his mercy, and just teaching me about the depth of his love and salvation in my life this year. But there's also been a whole lot of loving when it's really, really hard. And I've had to, like, strap myself in, like, in a high chair sometimes. Okay, because I don't want to eat that sometimes. Sometimes it's just like, you know, just like you have staples that you eat every day. Some of the meals are like that with Jesus, you know, that are just those regular meals that you eat. Some are your favorite things. Some are things that you don't like. Some are things you've never tried. I tell you, a lot of times in the meal that the Lord's been serving me this year of loving when it's hard it's kinda of like we've eaten a lot of leftovers because I can only take a few bites at a time. And he's so gracious and he lets me come back and he wraps it up and then we open it up. I'm still gonna serve this to you. Are you gonna eat? Because I want you to proceed in the way of understanding. But but how do we get a knowledge of the Holy One? Through the Word. <laughs> Through the word. That is the where you're going to get a knowledge of the Holy One. And see, Jesus is wisdom. Jesus is also the word. He's also the living water. He's also the light of the world. I mean, we could go on and on. with all. I mean, God pulls out all the stops to help us get it. He gives us every kind of example to help us to see you need Jesus. Okay? He's it. <laughs> He's the great I am. He's the wonder of the world. You know, it might sound new to some of us. Eating of Jesus. I mean, we might only be familiar with that in terms of taking communion, uh, where his body and blood are symbolized as the bread and the juice, and and we eat and we remember that Jesus died for us and that we can have eternal life. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I mean, Jesus wants us to eat of him, to to have that fear of him so that we might begin in wisdom. And I I know that there are some women in this room who need to humble themselves to the Lord and and receive Christ tonight for the very first time. I I know that. You need to fear God. You need to humble yourself. You need to accept Jesus as the sacrifice for your salvation. We've got some tables up here right in the front, these two. We've got the bread and the juice at these tables They symbolize Christ's death for you. And I just want to tell you right now, if you want to receive Christ tonight, in a few minutes we're going to have some music and there will be a prayer leader up here and she can help you and you can come and you can express your desire to receive Christ and she will help you to begin in wisdom. But the second part of Proverbs 9.10 says, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And ladies, we also have a bunch of tables along the side and the back, and they also have the bread and the juice, and we're going to have some Bibles laying out on those tables as well that that represent the how we eat of Christ as well. And a prayer leader is going to be around there as well. All the prayer leaders have those gray genuine shirts on. They're genuine prayer leaders. Okay, So (laughs) we just wanted to be able to identify them to you. But, you know, these are also tables tonight during our prayer time that you can eat from. To come to the table and say, I'm so thankful, God, for my salvation. I'm so thankful that you saved me. You are wisdom, and I need you, and I need to eat of you. I need knowledge of you, Jesus. You need to bring your lack to these tables. Symbolic of bringing your lack to the table of wisdom to eat of the Lord, and and to just say, nourish me with yourself, Jesus, I will eat. These tables are a place for us to eat of Christ, maybe for the very first time in salvation, or maybe so that we can grow in a knowledge of Jesus and walk in understanding. Christ alone, Christ alone is the only wisdom for salvation and understanding in this life. The only one. Only he can give you understanding and wisdom to walk out this life well. And here's the wonderful thing. When you come to a table to eat, you have conversation. So when you go to one of these tables tonight, it might be a conversation of repentance. You might need to say, Jesus, I am sorry. You have been trying to feed me, and I have been scoffing at you. I'm going to forsake my folly tonight because I want to live. I want to walk in understanding. And so I'm going to partake of you, Jesus, in this symbolic way to let you know that I am ready for some, some good food, Jesus. Or it might be a conversation of, of hunger. You might come to the table and say, Jesus, your invitation was for those who are lacking. I am lacking. I need some understanding. But I know the only place I'm going to get that is from you. Would you feed me from yourself? Or it might be a conversation of second helpings. Jesus, I loved what you gave me yesterday. Will you give me some more? I mean, the conversations can be vast and various. But whatever it is, you come with an attitude of humility and receptivity and thankfulness. Because Jesus offers himself. We just have to accept his offer and eat of him. He's calling from the heights. Everyone can hear him. He's saying, come, if you are lacking, come and eat of my table. And this invitation is not just tonight. It stands till the day you die, and then you're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb around that table. Hallelujah, praise God. Never lacking at all, because you will be in the presence of wisdom. Throughout the Bible, God used pictures to remind people of truth. I'm one of those people that needs those pictures. And that's why I love Proverbs 9. And so your participation in this prayer time tonight can be a personal picture for you. There's just something about doing something physical with something that you're taking in spiritually. So if you get up and you walk to one of these tables... It can be that remembrance for you. It can be a video that the Holy Spirit can play in your mind when you're trying to decide, am I going to stop in here at folly or am I going to keep on my straight path to wisdom's table? Am I going to get to the table and open my Bible and spend some time with Jesus today because this lack that I'm feeling in my gut is not going to get satisfied anywhere else. I need Jesus. And that action tonight can be exactly what you need to propel you to that table again and again. God will use it as a spiritual marking place in your life to remind you of this word here. He takes the physical and the spiritual and he works it all together. So up front for salvation, along the sides, if you just want to give yourself a time to pray, to talk to the Lord in a marker of remembrance of what this word says to you. And the beautiful thing is is there will be other sisters around the table which is exactly what happens when you come to the table of the Lord as well because he's feeding his children. You know, the Bible talks about us being sheep. See, in the physical I only try to eat, you know, several times a day and I have to discipline myself for that. You know what? You can graze all day long at the table of the Lord if you'd like. All right? Our prayer leaders are ready to pray with you at these tables. If you want to partake of communion, feel free. Just break off the bread, dip it in the juice, please. Okay. Just wait for a spot. If there's not one open, just stay in your seat and just wait. This might take a little bit of time. but What a beautiful way to conclude this Bible study time, and we'll, we'll finish out with some worship. What a blessing to be able to partake of wisdom. Jesus freely given to us that we might forsake our folly and live. I'm looking forward to a rich feast around these tables right now and in the days to come to know that we are going to the table of the Lord and partaking of Jesus and he is feeding us with his wisdom. So feel free to partake.